This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that can't quite believe how Chelsea didn't win the Caribou Cup final yesterday. Uh, a remarkable match between Liverpool and Chelsea in the Caribou Cup final on Sunday. Uh, we all said that the teams were evenly matched, having drawn their two league games this season, and so it proved again. Hardly a cigarette paper between them, over 120 minutes and 21 penalties until the horrible twist of fate for Kepa. Having replaced Mendy, uh, especially for the penalty shootout, he saved none of them and then sent his kick high over the bar towards Neesden. Still haven't found the ball, apparently. Anyway, Chelsea were unlucky rather than outplayed, and they matched Liverpool blow for blow. Furthermore, the key decisions didn't go their way either, with VAR cancelling out what looked like a legitimate goal for Lukaku and the assistant referee flagging uh, Havertz's goal offside. If we are to be honest, though, it pains me to be honest, obviously, but uh, it was Chelsea's poor finishing that let us all down yet again, with Pulisic missing a sitter and Mount wasting at least three good chances. Uh, With our defence, Mendy in particular at its (coughs) imperious best, Chelsea's Achilles heel continues to be our poor finishing, and now it's really costing us, with the trophy going begging together with the numerous chances we created. And for that reason, and that reason alone... The title of the show tonight is The One That Got Away. Chelsea Fancast number 879. Good evening and welcome, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. I haven't seen you for all all of six minutes. Uh, I've changed horribly in those six minutes, though, so uh, it's exhausted me, so I'm going to go for a lie down and have a a massage with a a Persian eunuch, if that's okay. (laughs) Well, if that's if that's what you need, Jonathan, who am I to argue? Uh, I, I kind of know how you are because we've been rabbiting away for the last hour. Who, who have we got on the show tonight? Oh, I can't be bothered to tell you a couple of reprobates as usual. The people you get, I don't know, you scrape the barrel, don't you, Chich? We end up with, with a couple of people. I don't, I don't even know who they are. No, I do. I'm just pretending. We have, of course, got the housewife's choice and Joe 90. 
Guess which one is which. One of them is the great Mark Meehan, the other is the great Clayton Beerman. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant to see you. Clayton, how lovely to see you, mate. Are you well? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Um, apart from having to stand at the whole day yesterday, which, as you can imagine, did oh. my back. The world oh, of good. And I hobbled through the door last night oh. about half past nine, ten o'clock. Mrs. Beerman was not happy. Ooh, That's dear. all I've got to say. Well, I'm not happy either, Clayton. I sympathise with you. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can understand people having to stand up when they've got an absolutely perfect view. Not. Yeah. Where, where were you sitting or standing in this case? <laughs> I was standing uh, behind the goal in the upper tier oh. in the green section. And um, if the lovely gentleman who spent 125 minutes yesterday screaming murderer is listening, you're an absolute bellend. Thank you. Oh, dear. So there we mm. go. So you didn't have too much of a good time. I, I hope I hope the same cannot be said for Mr. Meehan, who's lovely to see you as always, Mark. Um, actually, I'm kind of really it's good to have you both on for this show because, uh, you know, we, 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 let's let's say we've gone with our experience team tonight and leave it at that. But uh, what was your old Mark? Yeah. Well, I think I include me and JK in that, to be fair. But uh, how was the experience for you yesterday, Mark? Well, um, I was in a bit of pain yesterday, but a different kind of pain to Clayton, because um, I am probably getting old. I made a fatal mistake yesterday after going to the pub beforehand to decide to run for a train uh, um, on a Metropolitan Line station to get to Wembley Park. Um, uh, and I tripped over a loose curb. Harrow Council, I might be in touch with you. Um, so I tripped over the loose curb pre-match, winded myself, my stomach. You know, so my ribs are a bit sore today and they were sore yesterday during the game. And I've got a bit of a lump on the side of my head as well, sort of golf ball size. So all very. So I actually watched the game in a bit of pain yesterday and woke up even more pain this morning. But I do know where the match ball is. Ah, where is it? It's in Liverpool. Oh, very good, very good. Mark, I'm really sorry to hear that. You were in the wars, mate. That's that's rubbish. And I will be, mate. It's always very funny. Well, yeah. I, I th- if I had I been there, I suspect I, a little bit of laugh would have come out, you know. But uh, it, as it always does, it's a bit like when you play cricket and you get one in the nuts. Everybody pisses themselves laughing and it's bloody painful when you do. But I'm g- good to see you and I'm glad you're sitting down and comfortably. I think you're going to need to for the next hour and a half. Uh for a very good reason, because on the show tonight, in part one, we look at Tuchel's team selection. We always look at Tuchel's team selection first, as you should know by now. Uh, we discuss a game of two halves, of two halves, and two halves. There we go, and that'll be the show, and then we'll go home. No, we won't. Uh, we ask, why can't Chelsea finish, and we bemoan our luck <coughs> with decisions. And in part two, we ask, did Tuchel and Chelsea pay the penalty by subbing Kepper on for Mendy for the shootout. Who were the winners and losers on the pitch for Chelsea? We asked, does Chelsea have a Wembley hoodoo with five out of our last six finals now lost? And with Roman Abramovich and Chelsea in the news all week for all the wrong reasons, we ask, what on earth is going on? Uh, and in part three, there's no normal part three tonight because uh, we, because we did an hour on BBC London uh, I've had to like not do the part three that we normally do, which is fannies, emails, Discord questions, etc. Because I need to go to bed at some stage tonight. So the next part will be uh, what we normally do in the last part in four, which is to pre- preview Chelsea's FA Cup fifth round tie with Luton on Wednesday. And again, we'll suggest Thomas Tuchel's team selection for the Kerry Dixon derby. Uh, we'll find out what we know about Luton and uh, we wrap up with how we see it going and the prediction, of course. Now, as ever... 
Don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday uh, at 7 o'clock, unless it's at 8 o'clock, by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea-Fancast. And of course, if you do, you can join in the chat room, and there's loads of lovely people in there at the moment. Andy, Kev, Peter, Bob, to name but a few, Daryl as well. So there we go. Great fun. Live. Live. Oh, well done. You've woken up. You are alive. Amazing. Yeah, Daryl's in there. Lo- loads of people. It's great fun in there. So do come and join in. Uh, and of course, at any other stage of the proceedings or even during the show, you can tweet at Chelsea Fancast or at Chelsea Fancast on all the socials. Of course, we will be back in a uh, uh, a flick of a lamb's tail. Chelsea versus Liverpool in the Caribou Cup. Um, JK, I, I, I kind of got uh, the team pretty much bang on, uh, apart from Alonso started, which I didn't expect. Christensen was out injured, which I didn't know. Uh, but other than that, um, I think it was bang on. I think the most interesting thing, really, uh, well, of course, Ziyech, of course, wasn't even in the squad, was he? Um, but uh, I have to say, I was quite happy that Kovacic and Kante started in midfield because that that like I said on Friday told me immediately he was going to do what he did against Lille and, and actually have a go and attack them and I was quite pleased to see that um, but how did you feel when you saw the lineup? Uh we, we were dubious about Alonso weren't we but he, we were. uh, yeah. he played out of his skin and was completely excellent um, um, we we didn't think that uh, uh, we didn't know anything about Christensen, so we had no idea that Chalabar... We had, I mentioned Chalabar as possibly being selected, but he hadn't been playing for eight weeks, had he? So, uh, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. Uh, oh, dear. Help. Oh. I do apologise. So, um... <laughs> was that you not being asleep after Radio London? <laughs> no, that was me having a sneeze. I couldn't do anything about it there. But I, I cleverly, because I'm a professional, muted myself amidst the sneeze. So it came out as being a kind of sleepy moment. When actual fact, it was a kind of violent moment with my sneeze going all over the computer screen. But anyway, I digress. Um, I found, um, uh, I thought Alonso uh, um, was what, it, well, because we played so far forward, he didn't need to come back and defend as much. Well, he managed, but Rudiger, Rudiger and um, and uh, Thiago were so brilliant that they mopped up anything. Um, but he was he was, uh, as we said previously on the Radio London show, he pulled plucked it out of the bag, did Alonso, and uh, and I thought had one of his better games. And we were just saying it might be there because it was a it was a cup final. He tends to come He's to the a fore big and- game player, is what we were saying, wasn't it? And I but, think I think he is, you know, bless his little cotton socks. I mean, it was a bit of a turn up for the books, wasn't it, Mark? I mean, you know, he's been a bit iffy recently, but I, I mean, he did. I mean, a lot. I, I, you know, let's face it. I thought they all played pretty well, uh, to be honest, uh, and it was a cracking game. But uh, I did worry about Alonso getting absolutely rinsed with the pace that Liverpool have up front. But he, he was good, and I think maybe it was just the way that Tuchel organised them that really helped there. Well, what I will say, and I've said it many times before, you'll never get me criticising Marcus Alonso. I had this moment yesterday when I was in those rather overcrowded 
toilet facilities at Wembley, they don't appear to have learned anything from, from the Euro. So e either something was fundamentally wrong yesterday, but everywhere was crowded. You know, the programme store was crowded. You couldn't get Close. a couldn't, yeah, couldn't get a drink, couldn't get something to eat. Couldn't and get, I've, no, I'm, yeah, absolutely. I've it never was. seen the toilets so and not crowded. enough staff. Not enough yep. staff either. Yep. And these guys in there at half-time moaning about Alonso. And you do sometimes wonder what game people watch. Because, you know, I, I've always liked Marcus Alonso. Uh, and I thought he had a fine game yesterday. I thought the greatest compliment I can pay to him is I never noticed Salah until he took a penalty. I, I thought it was probably the quietest game Salah had ever had against Chelsea. And I think a lot of credit goes to Alonso to do that because he just kept pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. He was at times our most attacking player. But also, it was a good all-round team performance. I don't think there was a bad shirt there yesterday you know, of that 11 in the 90 minutes. They all put a shift in on another day. And I know we'll talk about it probably shortly. You know, we could have easily won by two or three goals. But then again, being balanced... Liverpool probably could have got a couple of goals as well. But it was just it, shootouts are a lottery. But I thought over that 90 minutes, I thought it was a very, very good Chelsea performance. And, you know, it's just frustrating to lose by, penalty, by penalties. But mm -hmm. other than Kovacic, who again, I thought had a magnificent, magnificent game. game. Magnificent game. Magnificent game. And again, I saw it today. <laughs> There's a funny moment on Twitter today where this guy's had a bet on nil-nil in 90 minutes, and nobody getting booked. Oh, <laughs> no way. Yes. I, I thought, oh, that is, you know, he was sort of a short period of time away from winning. Oh. I, I think I, I think it was 300 to 1 odds yesterday on nil-nil. Yeah, when you think the two teams are on the pitch and no bookings between Chelsea and yeah, Liverpool. That, well, the, the, we'll get bet. into that later, but there bloody well should have been, that's for sure. Clayton, um, Quick, quick point on uh, on Alonso picking up from what Mark said there. I noticed actually very, very early on in the game, um, Alonso was immediately put under pressure on the edge of his own penalty area. And then suddenly three or four Chelsea players swarmed around him and Salah to get him out of the shit. And I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. I've not seen them do enough of that. And I thought, hello, they thought about this. Uh, and, and you're right. Salah really didn't get much of a sniff throughout the game, did he? No, I I thought defensively we were just outstanding. I, I really did. Um, Chalaba got quite a difficult start. They they yeah. obviously targeted him, and Diaz was yeah. was giving him a real run around. But his mates all looked after him, and you know, apart from the fact that he had a bad start, um, he was unbelievable yesterday. He was, I, you know, I know that Tommy T said it and he obviously heard me when I said it during the game that he was still going um, after an attempted murder. And, you know, he hadn't played since Christmas. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was blinding. I just want to say about Alonso, if he's played better in a Chelsea shirt, I can't remember when it was. I thought he was just amazing. Man of the match for me. Absolutely amazing. Man well, not for me, because obviously the, the big man uh, between the sticks was man of the match because, you know, um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, but I just thought, it's what Mark said, I thought just a fantastic team performance. You looked all over the pitch and, and whilst... There was a little bit of disappointment with perhaps Pulisic, but 
you know, he didn't get much help up front. I didn't think I didn't think they dovetailed like they did against Lille, but you're oh, not yeah. playing. Well, he was playing yeah. the wrong side. Why was he playing yeah. on the right and not the left? I don't, I don't know, but maybe to confuse them, which basically confused us. But I just thought <coughs> I, I was so proud of the team. I mean, I walked out of Wembley yesterday. I was obviously upset and I would much rather have, have basically won. But you can't, you know, as a football fan, all you want is your team to leave nothing on that pitch. And every single one of those Chelsea players, substitutes, etc., left nothing out there. No, absolutely right, mate. And it was no, absolutely right. You can't ask for more than that. They gave everything and they were brilliant at it. I mean, one thing I was uh, going to say, Mark, unless yours is, do you want to come in now? Because it might, I no, might. No, you go first. All yeah, right. Well, no, I was just going to say, I thought the ebb and flow of the match was fascinating, actually, because we started like a train. I mean, we were absolutely in their faces, everybody pressing, looking really good and really aggressive, and they didn't know how to cope with it. Of course, we didn't punish them when we were on top like we should have done. And then about 20 minutes into the first half, Liverpool gained control and they started really looking very good. And the same thing happened in the second half. We had the first 20 minutes of that and then they Liverpool assumed control. And then we had the then we had the first extra time half and then Liverpool had more of the... And I thought this is really interesting. And what occurred to me was that... Uh, and OK, maybe I'm uh, confirmation bias on my part here because I was worried on Friday that we, when we've played Liverpool before and we've had two in our midfield up against their three, they do at some stage of the match gain control of the midfield and that's when they start to hum and we look and we were hanging on I think for moments you know deep into the uh, the first half and deep into the second half and I just wonder why why Tuchel didn't bring on you know a third midfielder like he could have brought Jorginho on or or, or Ruben Loftus-Cheek or whatever I mean of course I suppose the answer to that is that in his head it was kind of working quite well we should have been ahead we were we were matching them. We weren't behind, so stick with what you've got. But I did wonder, you know, why doesn't he think of bringing on a third midfielder? No, good point. Uh, what I was actually going to say is Clayton's point about you know even the substitutes left everything on the field. I was, I was going to say that Werner left himself offside a few times as well. Uh, but um, apart from that, um, I don't think it was broken at all yesterday. I think over a ninety minutes period, um, you will get periods of the game where the other side has got the ball, the other side are stronger. And that's when Clayton's absolutely right. You know, your defence comes into their own. They were just so incredible at the back yesterday. It was a tremendous performance. And then again, if the defence gets breached, agree 100% with Clayton. Mendy, that double save, it was almost like memories of Jim Montgomery in 1973. Exactly what I it said. Really was, really was superb. Absolutely superb, Mendy yesterday. But the other thing I was going to say, the other reason I have my hand up, the other thing as well is, as well as the team playing well yesterday, and I know I was listening earlier, and it is a bit of a funny old stadium, I thought at times yesterday, and having been to Wembley many times, as, as we have, I thought at times yesterday, we really had good levels of support. Wembley's impossible, you know, with the acoustics and trying to get one song that the whole end sings. But at times yesterday, our support was excellent. The noise, depending on what part you were in, the noise where I was in was superb. Where were and you? I was in upper tier block 506. Yeah, yeah. And I think the only other thing I would say about yesterday, and you can't not talk about Liverpool without talking about their delightful fans. You know, so, you know, saw examples yesterday, you know, where 
they're, they're quite brazen as well. They even tried to jib into the Chelsea section, you know, just like people are sort of, you know, giving them abuse. Uh, um, but then, um, not quite where I was, but it was behind me. Um, there was a flare that was let off in the Chelsea section yesterday that was a red flare. And there were Liverpool fans in the Chelsea section. Heaven knows uh, how they got there. Now, I've sat in away section, home sections of my time, but you keep quiet. You do. You're lucky to get a ticket. You you don't brazenly let off flares and sort of declare who you are, you know. And again, you know, you know, you know me. A name like me, and I'm hardly going to be singing "God Save the Queen." But you show respect, you know, to the national anthem of this country. They were booing the national anthem, and yeah, they probably did steal the ball and take it home with them. And then afterwards, I didn't see it myself, but my daughter told me, you know, she was sitting in a different part of the ground. Now, I always work on the basis when you've won a trophy afterwards, you're happy, you're celebrating. Someone I wanted to fight with the Chelsea fans afterwards. It just, they are a strange, strange lot at times. Did um, did they get a slap, those that were in our end? Oh, yes, they did. <laughs> Would you, I, so. I don't know whether this was the same incident, Mark, was it? I, I was in 5, 11 or 12. And so over my shoulder to my, behind me to the left, there was a, a huge to-do and my son was telling me that it wasn't actually Liverpool fans. It was a Liverpool, it was a Chelsea fan from Merseyside who was getting really, really upset with all the murderer chants and all the rest of it. And and that's that that was a uh, a flare up as well. It was just you're you're quite right. I mean, basically going home on the on the tube, I mean, or sort of just going to the tube station. You we got into the tube station, of course, it's all Chelsea fans. And there's just a smattering of Liverpool fans. And on the basis that everybody was Chelsea, you would have thought, you know, what is the point of taunting us other than trying to have a fight? And nobody took the bait because we were all too old in the tooth and just a bit fed up. But anyway, we digress. Well, we do. Sorry, Chid. Sorry, Chid. The other thing I was going to add as well, I forgot to say. Uh, And again, I've only seen the photo, so I haven't seen a video of it. But I've seen a photo of Harvey Elliott, you know, with a red flare after the game. Now, you've often talked on the show about Southampton. I was down in Southampton that time. Chelsea fans let flares off. And they got significant bans for having a flare in a football ground. Now we've got players holding flares up, celebrating. And that's OK. Well, Bit of d- double standards here. Sorry. No, clearly not. Um you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, Nathan from the Chelsea Grave Society says, Flair let off in 5-2-3 next to us. They wish they hadn't. <laughs> Quite the, right, too. The, the Liverpool fans behind us, because uh, I was right at the very back, um, and you had that bit where they put tarpaulin over the seat so you can't then get back up. I suppose that was sep- supposedly separating us from this... I think it was like a hospitality area just above. They spent the whole of the game taunting us. They were just next to us. and they, they But they don't do that thing of, of uh, supporting their team. They just have a go at us and tell us our players are dreadful. And you just think, I, I don't get it. Why is this what this is like? It, it, they, they can't. They, the, 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 it's too much for them to be near opposition fans. It lets this, this persona loose in them that just wants to be engaged with the possibility of having some kind of fight. But there won't be a fight because we couldn't get at them. Though people were, some, some of the more pugnacious of, of uh, the fans with me were 
leap trying to leap up over this uh, expanse which you're not supposed to get up in order to get to them is that not the old hold me back hold me back there's an element of that <laughs> there were some tasty looking chelsea fans who who marched towards them you know there's a kind of there's a march kind of, isn't there you know, you know that there's a there's a look about somebody bloke about 45 to 50 he's obviously obviously done a bit of uh of uh, grievous in his time i don't know that kind of sort of you know that kind of bloke who comes up and says yeah come on in i'm for <laughs> it yeah come on come on yeah like that then you're thinking yeah but you probably could hit somebody rather hard and I'm, I'm pleased i'm pleased they're on my side but there was no way that they were going to leap over these fences they just carried on abusing us abuse, abusing players you know you know timo Werner, he's shy he's out you know I, he's, we almost signed him we must have been mad he's shy you know just this constant you know not were you not, were you not nodding along sagely when they were saying that funnily enough, funnily enough <laughs> actually funnily actually enough, it was jk that was saying it he, he just adopted a, a scouse accent so that none of I us would actually, recognize it so that would be true but i actually didn't i turned around and said you're not wrong there mate i agree with you on that I said, you're all right there lad. you're all right there i agree with that whack <laughs> <laughs> oh, a very good segue. Um, because I think we should talk about some of the terrible misses. I've actually managed to list them here, and in and in the time that they were missed, oh, it's, it's quite a long list. All right, so strap yourselves in, but people at home, go and make yourselves a cup of tea while listening, because this could take some time. And by the way, talk. This is the best. This is the best post on Mixler I think I have ever seen in thirteen, fourteen years of doing this show. It's from Blue Bloke. Okay, he says, "Oh dear." Seem to have annihilated a pack of chocolate hobnobs already. Oh. <laughs> that is a quality post, isn't it, JK? Good one, Blue Bloke. Uh, right. Only 28 minutes. I know. So you've got another packet. Let's see how many you yeah, get. Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I do like chocolate hobnobs too, so I'm a bit envious. And Chidge, if this was the 90s, Dennis Wise would have loved that, you know, the chocolate hobnobs, you know, when they used to debate biscuits all the time in the club magazine and programme and the quality of the biscuits amongst the players. Yeah. Uh, there you go. As, as always with you, Mark, I learn something every day. Uh, right, OK. Are you ready for this? On six minutes, uh, Christian Pulisic had time and space inside the box after picking up a neat pass, but his shot towards the middle of the goal was saved easily because he basically slide... Well, he passed it to him, really. Anyway... Can I, can I just ask, was that six minutes? Yeah. 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 Six yeah. minutes in, Pulisic should have put us one nil up. I thought, you were, I sorry, I thought it was earlier than that. No, it was, six it was minutes. a move, move just after kickoff where we almost um, yeah. scored as well. Yeah. We were just yeah. wide. We were on fire at the very beginning. And then right. there's in the first half, there's a hat trick of Mount misses. Um, oh. I mean, I thought he was unlucky with the what the one on sixteen minutes, which basically the ball came to him quite quickly. And he, his first touch was great, but he couldn't quite turn quick enough to put it away. So not a not a huge chance. This was a massive one though. Uh, when he basically a brilliant pass, inch perfect pass inside the box, and he managed to kind of hoof it wide. Really, I mean, if I don't know, he just didn't get a good contact on it. Um, and this one was quite awful too, to be really honest. Right on, uh, actually, no, this was in, I think I, I can't. Remember, no, this was in the uh, no, this was in the second half, wasn't it? After forty nine minutes, uh, another great pass. He was put through and brilliant run. I mean, he beat the offside trap beautifully. And it seemed to kind of get stuck in his feet. And he kind of managed to just stab it and it hit the post. I mean, again, should have been a goal. This was a terrible miss, really. And then, oh, there's another Mount one. Um, this was on 59 minutes. He darted into the penalty area to latch onto a pass. Oh, that's right. He, a good shot by him. I think that was a good save by Keller, to be fair. Uh, yeah. Then there's more uh, Havertz heads. Uh, that's, no, that's something else. I don't know why I put that one in. Um, 
Right, yes, Lukaku on 95 minutes. A bit similar to the goal that he had disallowed, actually. But again, on the shoulder, uh, grabs hold of a loose pass and and a real wallop of a shot towards the middle of the goal. And again, Kelleher, you know, stopped that fairly easily. So it's the same old issue, JK. Uh, why, Why is it that Chelsea players can't finish i mean i mean i we, we've discussed this every show of this season i'd swear to god and i still don't have any understanding why they can't seem to finish i mean the pulisic one i mean he's a great finisher i'd say he's probably one of the best finishers at the club what happened i mean he, if he'd have missed kicked it it would have gone in there is this desire to try and just finish the move off expertly you know that it's like i mean the, the, that great moment when Lukaku actually made a near post run after Alonso did a, a fantastic series of of uh, uh, kind of slalom like attempts to get the ball over and found himself on the near post on the touchline and um, flicked it across and uh, Lukaku almost scored but once again it's that thing of 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 not hitting it hard you know it's that almost they feel the contact will be enough and I felt with Pulisic he just felt he could guide it in rather than thinking, I need to put some contact on this. And it's slightly the same with everything that, that Mace did. It was almost as if he felt, I just need to pass it into the corner. And whether that's, well, they don't seem to get their, their, their leg behind it, you know? With Mace, I thought, I thought um, the first one was actually not as an not I mean that it was, was a volley the first one was difficult it was he difficult it, on target. it yeah. was a difficult shot not as easy as Pulisic's and I think the second one where he you know he just got it under his feet and that, that can happen and I mean in, in a sense he did quite well to get a shot away at all but you know frankly he should have done better with the skill that he has it didn't look like it from where I was it was just down below me and I'm afraid I was overcome by apoplectic, apoplectic uh, swearing and I made everybody laugh a lot around me because I just uh, I couldn't believe that he'd missed it from there. Yeah. Right, the bloke in front of me just absolutely uh, seized up. He said, "You agree with you, mate?" You were. <laughs> I was going, "Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck Jesus, fuck, fuck." It was a bit like that. So I love, uh, I love it when that happens. I remember when I, from the top of uh, gate seventeen, I shouted out in a as we as you know, I have a rather loud voice. I shouted out to Matic, "You long lanky streak of fucking useless piss." <laughs> and everybody around me just looked around and then just all burst out laughing. <laughs> Which is probably the right response. But, there but you yeah, go. no, I, I, it happens too often. This is, you know, to be serious about it. It's, it's um, you know, we keep going on about how, well, yes, well, at least we're playing well enough to make all these chances. But the final third, the precision aspect, they've um, they've got to do something about it. Having said that, though, I, I, you know, they're beginning to play better and better. And Tuchel was so pleased with them. And he said, we're getting back to what we were last season. And if he thinks that's the case and we can see that there's no, progress. I think, I think he's right. I think, I, think he, I think we're onto something again here, actually. All right. So, Clayton, Clayton, do you think they should all be sent to finishing school in Switzerland? Uh, no, I don't think we could, uh, we could cope the amount of lawsuits that would probably follow. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's really interesting. Well, I mean... One thing from from Tuchel's team selection and our improving um, form is the fact that you don't see Jorginho and you don't see Werner. And I just wonder whether he has now made a decision on those two for the next season. And he's possibly said to them, well, maybe he hasn't said it to them, 
but I think the writing's on the wall because obviously, I mean, Jorginho may well be exhausted because he's played so much football, etc. But we're we are a different team without certainly Jorginho. We're much faster. The transition's much quicker. What next season? Hopefully, Conor Gallagher will be included into the squad, and that's going to that's going to solve one problem, which is the fact that we don't score any goals from midfield. I mean, this is a guy who can finish and he looks good uh, in scoring goals. But I just find it, the whole goal scoring thing is just bizarre, absolutely bizarre. I mean, you know, the much lauded, wonderful Liverpool defence and the godlike VVD. We could have scored five yesterday. And yes, they could have scored five as well, to be perfectly honest. You know, they had some great chances. But you can't. You know, you can't complain. I mean, the other week we were saying we're not creating anything, which is why we're not scoring any goals. And the reason why Lukaku's not scoring is because he's not getting any service, da-da-da-da-da. I mean, the one thing I would say is that I was absolutely screaming at both Lukaku and Werner yesterday because they came on with, what, 20 minutes to go? And they were labouring on the basis that they'd been out there for three hours because... The, the major difference, and you're talking about when they were on top and we were on top, is their front three closed down our defenders. And it was difficult to get out. Our front three weren't doing that. Well, and they, when they, were, they, were, they were before Lukaku and Werner came yeah. on. Uh, uh, but, but it was just, I, you know, I feel sorry for, for Romelu because he had, you know potentially a, a career-changing goal taken away from him. Um, but, I, you know, the amount of times that Werner was caught offside was just, I mean... Pathetic. What is the guy? I don't know. Is he stupid? Yeah, clearly. I just don't understand. I mean, I understand that you've got to play to get into a rhythm and, and sort of get your act together. Yeah, but he does it every game. Clayton. But it's, but I was just about to say, it's not as if he wasn't doing that every game when he was playing every week. No, it's just a very, very strange thing. Yeah. Really is. I think that's an excellent point you made about Jorginho and 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 Werner there. I think uh, maybe, maybe I mean you know to be fair, Tuchel's been saying that uh, Jorginho's knackered, but I think Tuchel, uh, I think Werner could definitely be on his way out. Um, Mark, um, I just want to hear you have your say on this. Why why can't we finish? Uh, I was I was just nodding as Clayton was speaking there. I have on many occasions here defended Werner, but yesterday was just so frustrating. Um, and him and Lukaku came on, uh, and it looked like from the moment they're on the pitch, they'd been playing for sort of seventy odd minutes. They, just, you know, they looked knackered as soon as they came on, and you know not not just Werner, Lukaku was offside as well. And I'm not talking about the goal which we'll come to later. And you just sort of think. What is it? You know, you know, clearly it just keeps happening. Um, just it was just so frustrating yesterday that actually, you know, on another day maybe we might have scored three or four. Yeah, I don't know, but clearly we had so many good chances yesterday. I think JK's right as well. We almost try to score the perfect goal, where sometimes it has to go off your shin or your knee or you you miss kick it and it will go in. Um, but you know. It's one of those days. It was just, you know, 
another day, you know, we might have got sort of like an easy, comfortable victory. But there's something fundamentally wrong at the moment that, or is it we're going to just get to a, a key point in the season where it all comes together, all of our strikers hit top form at the tail end of the season and all, you know, rake in, you know, two or three goals a game each. Um, love to see it, but on the sort of trend so far this season, we might be more clinging on to 1-0 victories if you're not yeah, careful. I think you may well be right. Right, we're going to have a quick break uh, and then we're going to come back and we're going to kick off with the, the some of the mental decisions that also cost us the game. But before I do that, talking of midfielders who like to uh, score, who are very good at scoring goals for Chelsea, something that we need very much at the moment, it just so happens that the next, uh, this week's Football Prizes competition at football underscore prizes on Twitter competition, is the chance to win a Sir Frankie Lampard boot, signed and presented in a custom-built frame. It's, it looks lovely. The picture's marvellous. I shall put it up on Twitter later so you can all see it. Uh, now, tickets are £5.95p each, and the draw ends at 7.30pm uh, this Friday, uh, 4th of March. So if you want to enter the competition, so basically what you do is you buy as many tickets as you want. Uh, they all have a number allotted to them, and then they pick out... The, a, a random number, and if your ticket has that number, you win. So it's like a raffle, basically, in, the, in old, like a village fate raffle, as JK and I would remember from years ago. Uh, but this time it's a bit souped up and it's all about football. Anyway, tickets are five ninety five each, as I said. Draw ends on 7.30pm on Friday the 4th of March, and you go to footballprizes.co.uk, uh, and I've got the wrong fucking URL. What a knob. Uh, anyway, it'll be on the Twitter when I put it up. But if you put in footballprizes.co.uk and go to competitions, you will find the Frank Lampard prize in there. So go and have a look there. Now, there are only 65 tickets available. Normally, there are 99. So, number one, you better get your skates on and buy a few tickets, otherwise you'll miss out. On the other hand, you'll have a much better chance of winning because, of course, the odds between you getting a win with 65 are much better than they are with 99. So there we go. Spend some money, have some fun. Hopefully you'll win a Frankie Lampard signed boot. Very simple. See you all in a minute. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> but where do I sign up, Jidge? 
Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stamford Chidge with the right honourable uh, holder of the, uh, the Privy Seal, Mr Jonathan Kidd. Hello. How are you, dear? I'm very good, thank you. I'm holding a seal. Good, good, good. A bit like Pedro. Yes. Remember he that? scored a great goal last night. Oh, Pedro? Mm. Seriously? Yeah, fantastic for uh, Lazio. He's doing well for them, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I, I liked him a lot. I liked Cost him a lot. There was a midfielder who had a decent shot. He would have yeah. put one of those away yesterday. He well, he may have done, but he was, he was another <laughs> one that was hair-tearingly if I had any just inconsistent well I think one that's was... why you haven't got any anymore you've been watching exactly. Chelsea for so long missed chances Clayton it's all gone mate I know I know but he he was another one wasn't he He, he one week he'd be Pele and the next week he wouldn't be no. next week he'd be Robert Fleck indeed, exactly. indeed, indeed so there we go we've got Jonathan we've got Clayton and of course the last of the quartet tonight is the uh, wonderful Mr Mark Meehan and good evening, good people of Mixler. I hope you've recovered from the disappointing defeat yesterday. Indeed. Well, I, I'm sure they will. They listen to this for long enough. They'll have plenty more to worry about. Uh, right now, uh, there were some very awful decisions, which I think also cost us yesterday. Uh, some of them included goals being wiped off. But uh, I'm going to start with the two that actually would have changed the course of the game before we had goals disallowed. And the first one, and they both involve a certain knobby cater. Uh, on 23 minutes, he elbowed... Uh, Mount square in the face. Fuck all was given. Uh, of course, immediately the Liverpool players all all crowded out the referee, so they knew he was as guilty as sin. Uh, I like the fact that Rudiger and Aspie were the first on the scene for Chelsea, pushing him out of the way. I love Rudiger for that. The minute there is a scent of trouble, he is there. He ran about sixty yards. I know. He's like he's like that bloke in Mister Ben, isn't he? he? Just turns up out of nowhere. I mean, you've got to love him. But, I mean, frankly, at the least it should have been a yellow card. Nothing at all. But if that was as bad, this was just criminal. The 50-50 between uh, Chalaber and Cater, where, I mean, it, I mean, I, I watched the, I, I saw this on Twitter, actually, uh, late last night. But uh, somebody had clipped out the discussion that they were having on Sky uh, with Kelly Cates and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and that idiot uh, Redknapp. Um, and uh, they were talking about the fact that he actually... And, of course, these guys played the game, so they know what's going on. But he slowed down. He slowed his run so that he could kick him in the nuts. I mean, you know, if if you had no intention of kicking him, you would have carried on going. But no, no, no. He slowed down so he would avoid getting hurt and make sure he could inflict as much damage on Chaloba as possible. And what did the referee do when Chaloba went down writhing in agony, clearly very hurt? He He gave advantage to Liverpool. And then I mean, he gave the foul the other way. And then he? gave the foul the other way. I mean, not even a yellow card. I mean, it was such a red card. It's not true. Um, 
I'm going to stop there because we can talk about the goals on mass in a minute. But you know, you're the qualified ref, J.K. All right. Fuck's sake! Please explain. Well, in actual fact, um, uh, we suddenly entered a strange space-time continuum where um, kicking the opponent in the groin um, gets you a free kick, and um, uh, and for that moment, that's exactly what happened. And Cater uh, slowed down, saw him coming, kicked him in the bollocks, and decided that um, and the referee. Uh, realising there'd been a momentarily time vortex rule change, gave it to Liverpool. It's astonishing, Mark, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to be slightly controversial now. Um, look, looking at sort of, yeah, I, you're going to yeah. blame it on Chalobah's balls for being in the way, aren't you? No, no, oh, no. Okay. I'm going to bl- I'm going to blame it on VAR. Um, but what I was going to say about the referee yesterday, I, I thought it was an end-to-end game. I thought it was a high-tempo game. It was a physical, I think, blood and thunder game. And I think early doors, I got the sense that, you know, the ref was going to let it ebb and let it flow. And we made the joke earlier about Kovacic. You know, that was a very, very late card in the game. And that poor bloke would have won a lot of money. So I think Atwell set himself up to run the game like that. But clearly there was a couple of incidents that he missed as a referee. And for me, surely that is the point of VAR. That if the game is moving at such a fast pace, he misses the elbow, and Liverpool did exactly what our players did when Alonso, you know, was at it early doors. You know, you know, they surround the referee, they surround the player. But that's what VAR surely should be for. You know, a clear and obvious error missed by the referee, and sort of saying, actually, you missed the elbow, you missed the studs, you know, in his groin. You might want to go and revisit that. Yeah. Well, it, I that's what it was for. That's what VAR is supposed exactly. to be for. That's what, that's what it's supposed to be for. Yeah. Astonishing yeah. incompetence. If you're, if you're sitting there in Stockley Park, it isn't there just sort of like, you know, pouring over a goal or an offside or a penalty. You're there to help the referee, referee the game, especially the Premier League. It's such a fast-paced game. If you do miss something, you know, you should be flagging it. And, you know, I watched the clip as well. It, it, you could not fail. You know, once, once you'd watched it, if they'd watched it on VAR... And also, Cater would not have done that if he was on a yellow. No, absolutely right, which he should have been for elbowing him out in the face, JK. What I find exactly. astonishing is that you have banks of these refs. You've got an assistant ref. You've got the ref making the decisions. This is at Stockley Park. When you have these shots of them all um, in the Champions League, they're all wearing their little tops, aren't they? They're wearing referees' tops, and there are six or seven of them, all to make decisions. So surely, if they've got the mentality, referees' mentality, which is, oh, I think I see a foul there. Oh, surely they should be looking at the foul and going, looking at the game and going, that's a foul. Can I just point out, everybody, there was a foul there. Where was it? Let's look. Oh, hit him in the nuts. He's off. What do we think? Yes, he's off. How do they come to a the decision? How do they miss it? How do they move on quickly? To me, there has to be some kind of, of compliance with the some some kind of, of even corruption with with the referee to say, We'll move on. We don't. We, well, the fact it goes so quickly, I find so difficult to understand. If there's been an absolutely obvious, really dirty moment, really foul play in the laws, he's off moment. Surely they spot it because it's there in front of them. And if it isn't and they need to slow it down, surely one of the six or seven would say, I see an instance here. This camera angle is telling me he's kicked him in the groin. He's gone for it. He's, it's up. His, he's, he's not played the ball. He's played the man. He's off. You need to tell the referee that. Instead of which, the moment goes. And I just do not understand 
how they arrive at those decisions. Yeah. Similarly with the Lukaku offside. Well, we'll get on He's to, behind the ball. We're going to we'll, go. We'll, we'll get on to that. How do they do that? How do they get well, it wrong? It's because they're just utterly incompetent. And I think this is the thing, isn't it, Clayton? You know, I know we're all, we all get very steamed up about VAR, but the VAR is merely a technology. It's the complete buffoons who are operating it that need to be looked at. Yeah, and I, there was a perfect example of the buffoonery uh, which I watched on Sky or, or my son Charlie because we we before the show he showed me that clip with the talking about the the challenge uh, with Kesa. I mean, it's it's the inconsistency, you know. It's it's the that's that's the worst thing, and I, I've said this until I'm blue in the face. VAR, so they're basically, I, mean, I know we're going to talk about the Lukaku one, factually, he's offside in the laws of the game. The laws of the game are wrong because that should never be offside in a million years. That, you know, the guys are level. I think offside should be you are standing behind the defender. I don't, I think this whole fucking line thing is is just ludicrous because so many goals have been chalked off and not only for us, but for, you know, everybody else. But the cater thing is just wrong. I mean, I think number one, have a look and see when you look at that, have a look and see where Stuart Atwell is. He's fucking next to it. So he's basically saying, oh, this is a collision. And OK, he's next to it. It's really fast. And maybe that's what it looked like. It looked like 50-50. It looked like... Basically, um, they were going to, whatever happened, there was going to be a clash because they were both going for it. The difference was that somebody was going for it in an honest way. And then somebody else was going for it who thought, shit, I'm going to get hurt here. So I'm going to do something different. And that whole point that, that Jamie Redknapp said was he could see what was happening. So he slowed down. And so he controlled what happened. And it was a foul and it was a bad foul. And you're a hundred percent right. VAR. I mean, what is the fucking point? There is no point. If th- if things like that are not going to be, you know, I mean, it doesn't help us now, but okay. In the old days when you didn't have VAR, they'd be looking at that on Monday at the FA going, that was a disgusting challenge. We're going to give them a retrospective ban. I mean, that was a bad, bad challenge. But the point is, and I've said it before, VAR will never work until you haven't got your peers judging you. That is, you know, you don't want your mate at work to say you fucked up. You need ex-referees, you need ex-pros. You can't have people who are working in the same industry judging you okay they'll say well that you know they're a team and they know each other and blah blah yeah, but that's blah. the problem they know the laws, though they know the laws clayton these are but, nobody, but, nobody know, else the, knows the, the, the laws. problem is that these guys do not want to make their mates look bad yeah totally right and, that, and that's it totally right but it never ever work until that is changed how does it work in european tournaments in World Cups and in other countries. It's us. Our, our lot are fucking useless. <clears throat> You're not wrong at all, my old China. I do have to say. Um, we, we, we mentioned the Lukaku goal uh, a minute ago. I mean, there, there, were, there were several 
goals chalked off. Of course, there was one chalked off for Liverpool, which I thought was right. I mean, you know, letter of the law and all that, I thought was a bit harsh. But, you know, Van Dijk was definitely offside and more to the point, he blocked Rhys James. I mean, you could have argued that he fouled Rhys James and chalked it off for that reason, let alone the offside, in my humble opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, Havertz, uh, Havertz got a goal, but that was called offside on 78 minutes. Lukaku on, was on the 98th minute. Uh, and I just can't understand really just where they or literally where they draw the line. I mean, he his legs, his feet were behind the defender, but his hand was was pointing forwards, which is a natural movement to make if you're a striker on the charge. I can't. I just can't see. I mean, you know, can you score with your hand? Is that what they're saying now? Because it's just fucking nuts. It really, really is. Apart from the fact that poor old Lukaku, as J.K. rightly said. Uh, and, and Mark as well, I think that was a, that would have been a possibly a career-saving goal to have scored the winner, which I think it would have been on 98 minutes. Um, and again, I mean, Havertz scored another one, didn't he, on 109 minutes? I mean, it's interesting what Tuchel said actually, because as always, Tuchel gets it spot on. He said on the Lukaku goal, it's a bit of a weird line where it's drawn, and then to make the decision, it's offside. I mean, talk about understatement of the year, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, I think of all the goals, I think this is the sort of the debatable one. Um, I think the other ones probably uh, VR got it right. Um, I think there's probably they're probably killjoys as well because like the whole purpose of people going to football, although it was a great nil nil yesterday, people want to see goals. You know, so yeah, you know, I always sort of thought, and I know the rules keep changing. You know, you favour the attacker. You know. You know, you give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker. Well, you didn't give the benefit of the doubt to Lukaku yesterday. Uh, and and also, you know, the original principle behind offside is you penalise the forward, you know, if he was seeking to gain an advantage. You hear a lot about, you know, you know Lukaku was level if he was anything or slightly a bit behind. The only thing that was offside, as you said, Chid, was his hands. You know, and unless you're Diego Maradona, you, know, uh-huh. you, can't, you can't score a goal with your hand. And I thought we'd already dealt with this you know, previously about the laws of the game and where the hand sort of fits in on that. So I think on that one, you know, yes, he was level, you know, so you could say, well, if he's level, he's offside. But, you know, let's let's just disallow all the goals because actually 85,000 people have turned up, paid a lot of money to see a nil-nil game and we could just satisfy ourselves in our matching tracksuits that we did our job properly yeah. yeah and we didn't make our mate look like a dick i bet they all become traffic wardens when they retire maybe they were they are already yes, uh, yes. maybe they are already um let's get move off the subject um obviously this is this is actually the thing that really pissed me off about this i mean you know that penalty shootout was just billy bonkers i mean 21 consecutive uh i mean it always gets a bit mental when you get to the keepers but they were all phenomenal penalties, I think, from both sides, actually. And a point I made to you earlier, JK, I mean, when you get into the players who aren't the first five, they're the players who don't want to take a penalty, so their sphincters are going over time. So the fact that they actually put them away brilliantly as well, I think, is commendable. Um, and, of course, what do the media concentrate on? They don't concentrate on the fact that a, a, a goalkeeper who probably doesn't really practice taking penalties too much, managed to put one, you know, halfway to Neeson. No, they concentrate on the fact that Tommy Tuchel's clearly an absolute idiot for substituting his goalkeeper, Mendy, and putting Kepper on, uh, completely ignoring the fact that actually Tuchel had done this in the UEFA Super Cup in August to great success, where Kepper actually won us that match. 
and actually has all the stats to back it up because we all know we've seen Mendy try and save penalties and he's shocking. Uh, Kepa's done it really pretty well, but that's what they all focused on. And I just the, 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 their ability to completely redefine reality never fails to amaze me. J.K. It's a better story, isn't it? That's the thing for them. They're they're they they obviously don't have the knowledge as well that he he he's done it before and he's in the Super Cup, wasn't it? He brought him on yeah. and. In, and that and that that won us the trophy. That, so they they didn't. Nobody cited that as an example, did they, of what he was attempting to do again? We, everybody, all around us, were saying, "Let's hope he brings Kepper on because Kepper's stats are much better than 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 Mandy's at, at saving penalties." As it was, um, as you said, Chid, all the Liverpool penalties were fantastic. Yeah, they were. They were. They were fantastic. As were all the as, Chelsea. As were ours, exactly. Yeah. So um, it, it's it's just it's useless biased commentating but it makes sense doesn't it because they're they're you know they've got an anti-chelsea agenda or they're you know they didn't like them when they played against them it's just it's it's so or, or, or for them in andy townsend's case yeah but yeah but, but it didn't enjoy the fact that he left to win trophies and immediately he left we started winning trophies yeah exactly that mark you wanted to come in yeah just a couple of things um to be honest i wasn't expecting kepper to come on really i thought yeah, no seriously you know I didn't complain when he came on because, as J.K. said, he's already won us three shootouts already this season. But I think because Mendy played so well, and he was, as we said earlier, phenomenal, but also what um, Tuchel said in his presser, that he doesn't do sentiment. Now, I know Klopp's, Klopp has done his bit now about his sentiment, but you know Tuchel talked about not being sentimental. So the moment he heard, I heard that, I thought, well, he's not going to pick Kepa. And then once chosen Mendy, I thought he would stick with Mendy. But having done that, yeah, I, I wasn't complaining that Kepa came on because he's good at penalties. Um, what I was going to say is, well, there's just there's sort of like a hairline with a lot of this. And he actually brought Jorginho on as well. So you could say he actually brought yeah. Jorginho on to score a penalty. And he was proved right. Yeah. Jorginho got the fifth. And what in normal shootouts can be the crucial last penalty to win it yeah. and he's done, he's, he's done the same for Italy where if you then look at where Jorginho was you know, during the Euros he's taken the penalty where Southgate actually brings on Rashford and Saka for the penalties and they both missed so it goes both ways. See, yeah. Okay, this is an interesting thing. I'm going to I'm going to go to the resident. We've got a resident ref here tonight and a resident goalkeeping expert. I don't quite know where that leaves you and me, Mark. But hey, res- resident renter gobs maybe. I don't know. But uh, Clayton, um, you're you're our, our 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 goalkeeping expert. I don't know. Did you read my my piece on Kepper and Mendy that came out uh, the morning before the final? Uh, no, it was on goalkeepers. I, I, I meant to text you and say, mate, 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 I've done a piece on goalkeepers. You must have a read of it. But the more important thing and interesting thing about that was not what I wrote. It was the fact that I spoke to uh, Matt Beadle. Remember Matt? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, him and Dickie Lee do this Goalkeepers Union podcast. And, and yeah, Dick- and I listen to it pretty regularly. Yeah, well, Dickie was uh, sunning himself in Dubai, I think. But Matt said, don't worry, I'll give you a few uh, clips from our shows and you can use that. So I... I got quite a few interesting quotes from that, but that's not the point of what I was talking to you about. Really, I think the point that I wanted to make was, you know, bringing on Rashford and Saka was ridiculous because they were cold. You know, the muscles would have been tighter. There's a, that I can actually completely understand for an outfield player. That's why they warm up. You know, you need them to be kind of ready to go. Bringing them on cold like that was just ridiculously stupid by Southgate. But I don't necessarily think the same thing applies to a goalkeeper, or am I wrong? Okay, so there's there's several things here, and um, 
there's there's no right or wrong answer. So the first thing is that you're not wrong because Kepa's done it before and Kepa has proved in various um various games he's a, a great shot stopper and penalties and in the league cup I think we got through the first two rounds on penalties didn't we we you know yeah, there were yeah, both yeah. penalties and he he did well but what you've got to remember is both those games he played from the beginning yes it worked in the super cup but and I'm not taking anything away from Kepa um I don't know if you remember but the penalty that he saved to win it was a shit penalty and I, you know, who knows whether Mendy would have saved it. So there was logic in what was done yesterday. What was not logical and um, is the fact that, you know, football now and certainly our coach and most coaches, and this is why he did it, is that the percentage save from penalties, you know, Kepa's got a better record and a better percentage, what have you. And I understand that, but you just had to look with your own eyes yesterday at how Mendy played. And I'm sorry, but he was unbeatable yesterday and he was warm and he was in the moment and I would have left him on because he was having one of those games and every now and again, you'll see a goalkeeper um, have a game like that. And you think, especially after the sort of, I mean, the save he made in the first half was just, you won't see better. It was world-class. It was just extraordinary. The saves he made in the second half, you know, the, the sort of the mellies after the corner and the save from the header, absolutely brilliant and there are some days and I, I sort of go back many years there there was a we played Fulham in a league cup tie at Craven Cottage and Eddie's Nizwicky um had a game that was beyond belief and I think I said at the time that if a London bus had been driven towards him he would have pushed it around the post you know there are days when a goalkeeper is just nothing's going to going to beat him and I, and that was one of those days and and that is my I think it was wrong to to bring Kepper on it was all about statistics sometimes you have to think you have to use instinct and you looked at Kep, uh, you looked at Mendy yesterday and I, I however poor he was at saving penalties I I think yesterday it might have been different but we'll never know which is Really a good, that's a fantastic point, actually, Clayton. Thank you for that. And it kind of somewhat, I mean, actually, to be fair to the media pundits that I completely comprehensively coated off, that was really the logic behind their argument because they felt that Mendy was having a worldie, was warmed up, so he it would have made more sense to keep him on. So I'm, I'm nothing but fair. Mark first and then JK. Oh, well, he did yeah. put his hand up first. I know, I'm just being, I'm just being childish. <laughs> would you like to go first jonathan no mark yeah. please you, you, it'll be oh, no no don't worry about me 
<laughs> no, I, I agree 100%. Yeah, with, with what Clayton said, like, and I was thinking of Eddie this week as well, because obviously I've been speaking to him a lot lately on, on another matter. Uh, and I've, I've chatted to him about that Fulham game where he just had the best game of his life that night. And if you talk to Eddie in his wiki, everyone, that's the first game everyone mentions. It's a bit like Kerry and Grimsby and that goal against Arsenal. And also, I was going to say, I, I've played in goal Sunday football. I'm not a goalkeeper uh, when I was playing. I'm an outfield player. But occasionally, with Sunday morning football, when people are too pissed, um, someone's got to go in goal when you've got to scratch 11. And I played in goal one day where I saved the penalty... Uh, and you just think you're unbeatable when everything's going to you as a goalkeeper. And even when our goalkeeper actually turned up at half-time, um, our team kept me in goal. Because for some some reason, some days it goes through as, as a goalkeeper. And 100% with Clayton. Had no problem with Kepa coming on because he's got that track record. But I would have kept Mendy on yesterday because he was, he was having a blinder yesterday. And I think the Liverpool players facing Mendy, irrespective of his poor you know, track record at penalties, you know, yeah, he did succeed in Ofcon, and I think having him in goal may have put a few of the Liverpool players off yesterday. So, but you know, if it had come off and Kepa had saved the winning penalty, Tuchel would now be lauded as a genius. Yeah, I know. Again, again, like he was after the Super Cup. J.K. Do you think it was a, a a morale thing? Do you think it was a team thing that he'd told them beforehand that he would bring him on regardless? Mm, maybe something to keep the because uh, afterwards, you know, he gave this big speech about you know the whole everybody works for the team and he thinks the team's getting better and better and he's so mm. pleased he's got such a uh, a tight-knit squad, whether that was... Uh, um, uh, he'd promised him and uh, and that was the way it was going to be, you know? I think you could... I think you have a point there. Actually, it's really interesting what his post-match comments said about the penalty or the Kepper issue. He said, we don't know what would have happened if we left Edu on the pitch. And, of course, that's completely true. He might have been true to form and let everyone in. Uh, you just don't know. He says, no blame on Kepper. Blame on me, as I'm the guy who takes the decisions. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. This is life as a football coach. And I don't I don't think you can really say fairer than that. And that's what that's one of the things I like about uh, old Tommy T. He's fairly sanguine on these matters, isn't he? Um But it isn't isn't sorry to interrupt, but isn't that the the point, you know, at the end of that game, you just have to park the penalty issue. That team couldn't have done any more on the day. Well, I, I, you're right. And do you know what he said after that? I should read you this. It's basically pretty much what you've just said. He says, we have also to accept the quality of the moment. Uh, they are maybe the best attacking side in Europe at the moment. So defending like this and playing like this made me very proud today. I had the feeling we created a bit more, were a bit more there, but maybe that's uh, subjective. The game could have gone either way. We needed some, some momentum to win it. So, you know, I think all in all, we did pretty well yesterday, apart from one one kick. I mean, it all boiled down to one kick. It doesn't get much closer than that. However, JK, however, I'm still a bit concerned. Do you know why? Um, because um, uh, you you haven't had a Guinness? Yeah, that, that would be one reason, but it's not the real reason. I'm just wondering if we're beginning to get a bit of a hoodoo at Wembley. Having ha- having had such a brilliant ride there and winning there all the time for years and years and years, we've now lost five of our list- last six finals, which is, you know, the tw- obviously yesterday against Liverpool, FA Cup in uh, 21, uh, 21 against Leicester, FA Cup against Arsenal in 20, uh, the Caribou against City in 2019 and that horrible match against Arsenal in 17. We obviously won against United in 18 in between all of that. But that's five out of six. I'm a b- bit concerned about that. I think uh, the 
refereeing needs to be taken into account on every single one of those losses. Well, shall I? Can I read you out the the statistics on that? Yeah, because um, you're right. I totally agree with you. Uh, just yesterday, Lukaku's disallowed goal. Cater not being shown red for an awful tackle. Leicester handball leading to Tielemans goal. Chilwell not offside leading to the goal. 2020, Kovacic sent off for winning the ball. Martinez handled the ball outside the box. And I think Christensen was fouled before Arsenal scored as well. Uh, City, Hazard was onside right at the end. Uh, Lino didn't keep his flag down. Arsenal 2017, the handball handball leading to the Sanchez goal. And I think, uh, didn't Moses get sent off for fuck all? Yeah. yeah. No, he got sent off oh, for two comfortable offences. I was just trying it on. I was trying it on, Clayton. You can't you can't blame a man. Taylor awarding the Sanchez goal after Sanchez had handled the ball, punched up and punched the ball. And Payet punched it and then it went forward. And then he had one of those those existential moments, uh, Taylor, by looking up, making a decision. You could see calculating and gave the goal and as if somehow he knows all about how the laws should be applied. Well, mate. At the time, go. You can see I still haven't forgotten about it. The uh, at the time, mate. You, if a player punches the ball forward and gets control of it, and then everybody stops and he puts the ball in the net, I think you'll find that it is actually handball. So you don't think we got a hoodoo? You think it's just entirely down to referees? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there is a good point to be made, and again, I don't know who I nicked this from on Twitter, but I have them bang on here, and then I shall read exactly what they said. Uh, one day I'll actually actually write down who writes these so I can actually give them some credit. You never know. It might be a novel idea. Uh, so apologies for this. But uh, they said, uh, coincidence, we seem to win every final that isn't officiated by an FA-appointed ref. Uh, Mark. <laughs> yeah, very, very good point. Wouldn't it be ironic if at the end of the season we make the Champions League final and we're up against Liverpool? You know, yeah, and we beat Liverpool there with no refereeing interference whatsoever. Well, indeed, it wouldn't surprise me as long as it's not played at Wembley. Because I still, I have to say, even though I can see the point about the referees, I am a bit concerned about that. It's, it's far too many to have lost at Wembley in recent times. When we used to, we used to always, I just remember we used to sing it, Wembley's our second home, Wembley's our because we were always winning there. But it's not. Sorry, sorry, don't you mean Anfield of the South? Yeah, uh, sorry, no, the Stamford Bridge of the North, surely, but. Uh, you know, it, we had such a great record there, and I'm a bit worried that we're we're you know on the wrong end of it, big time at the moment. Yeah, and I suppose you could chuck in the charity shield as well in 2018. We lost that one as well. So. Only if you're Jose Mourinho. <laughs> it, it's annoying because uh, again we had a, such a good track record there. I don't necessarily think there's a hoodoo, but I was always that viewpoint. If you make a cup final, you go there and you have to win it. Otherwise, you know, there's there's there is no point. So it's it's. I think the, the disappointing thing about yesterday, other than what happened as well, is I thought it was a really enjoyable day yesterday. You know, going to Wembley, you know, meet your mates, you know, have, have a, a laugh, drink, have a drink. Yeah, we ever see it <laughs> blue tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so really enjoyable day. Sport by, you know, sport by the end result, not sport by the because it was a great game of football, but just sport by the end result. Um, I I think I'd have to check, and Dean would know better. I think at the start of the season, when Dean did his predictions, I think I said we'd reach the Carabao Cup final and the FA Cup final and win both. So I'm down on one, but I'm still confident about the other. I think we could get back there in May and we win the FA Cup. And if there is a hoodoo, and I don't think that there is, let's get back to winning ways at Wembley as soon as possible. There you go. Because I said that the only thing I cared about winning was the Club World Cup, so I'm still ahead. 
Yeah, and I wasn't that bothered, as you know, by the Club World Cup. It was great to win it all, but yeah, it's like a pre-season trophy. I'm bothered about. Yeah, I'm yeah, bothered yeah. about losing the Carabao Cup. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, so am I, because you know, you know me. I've got that little bloody website thing on my home page on the on the phone, and you know, I wanted us to be 26 trophies up, not 25. So I totally agree with it. I'm I'm not happy about that. Um, uh, I mean, you know, I think I think you know, just to kind of close off the football checks, I do want to have a little bit of time talking about what's going on in the world, uh, kind of outside and inside football but you know considering I mean this is the kind of thing isn't it you know in a one-off game we're still such a match for anybody because if you know everybody's been saying how good Liverpool are recently and you know we're nowhere near them really in the title race or City and yet you know matches like that like like the one against City in the in the Champions League final last year make you realize that well we're not really that far away i mean you know that I mean, we haven't lost to them all season i mean that's that's effectively three draws in in 90 plus the added half an hour so we're not that far away i mean i you know it's just small tweaks to this side in personnel in the areas that we know them well making the bastards finish the fucking you know actually score goals we are going to be there or thereabouts i mean in a, in a in a funny sense you know give me a week and i'll reflect on this and i'll be I'll be much more, you know, kind of phlegmatic about it, that actually there's a lot more good that may have come out of that match than not uh, yesterday, Mark. Maybe the curse of Romark has returned. Yeah, Older fans will remember Romark, who put a curse on us in 1977. <laughs> so, yeah, may- maybe we need a bit of superstition going in our favour, because I think that's all that's missing. Um I think we just had a bit of bad luck at Wembley. Yeah. And I never subscribed to this, oh, they're a far superior team. So, therefore, you know, we're a million miles away, you know, from Man City or Liverpool, what some of the commentators have been saying in recent weeks, a particular gentleman by the name of Burley. Yeah. If football was like that, you wouldn't see the likes of Kidderminster nearly knocking West Ham out of the FA Cup a couple of weeks ago. Football isn't like that. I know it sounds a bit like a cliché. At the end of the day, it is still only 11 players against another 11 players. And that is the beauty something about the game. Anything can happen in a 90-minute period. If Cater, I know ifs and buts, but if Cater had got correctly sent off yesterday, we might not be talking about a penalty shootout now. We might not be talking about Kepa, as he may not have even got on the pitch. No, absolutely right. Now, just a few minutes, because it would be very remiss of us not to talk about this. But, um, you know, clearly... I mean, actually, before I say anything about it, I mean, the the situation with Russia invading uh, Ukraine is just beyond appalling. And, uh, you know, all of us, you know, grew up in the uh, in the 70s and the 80s when the threat of a nuclear war hung over us every day. If you weren't around at that time, you won't understand this, but it was very real. I mean, we're all quite we were all quite young then. So we just got on with being quite young and doing what we do. But if you just go back into that period and you look at the literature, the art, the music, the references to impending Armageddon are there regularly. And we live with that. And to to hear this absolute fascist, I mean, I'd, I'd say arguably the biggest threat to, you know, world safety since Hitler. You listen to Putin talking about you know, nuclear weapons the other day. You know how... I mean, J.K. and I joked about it on Friday about about being vaporised, didn't we, J.K.? But, but it's quite real, you know? So this is a very, very bad situation. And, of course, it's very much leaked into to Chelsea as well because uh, Roman Abramovich, you know, made his money in Russia, benefited from Boris Yeltsin and had a relationship that we're not quite sure about. 
uh, with the Russian government and Putin and etc, etc, etc. MPs calling him out. It's an absolute state. And of course, it's led to another side of what's going on, which is a very selfish Chelsea-centric one, which has got nothing to do with the poor people who are struggling and suffering in, in the Ukraine at the moment, having been invaded. But uh, the threat to Chelsea as a football club. Um, in other words, Roman getting uh, sanctioned, uh, them taking the assets away from him, which, of course, is Chelsea Football Club. What would happen there and they're in? Anyway, cutting a long story short, there was a statement that came out where he said he was going to hand over the stewardship of the club to the Chelsea Foundation. There's now been a statement saying the club uh, uh, don't like what's happening in Ukraine, although many people, myself included, said it should have been harsher. Uh, you've now got new story of Roman apparently trying to broker a peace deal between Ukraine and Russia, the only one who responded to the Ukrainians' plea for help in that respect, which is a good thing. Um, but uh, I think the thing that occurs to me really is um, if you're just a simple Chelsea fan like we all are um, and and decent people, you know, truly appalled by what's what's going on, and this is not a time, I don't think, to be on the wrong side of history, very much like you know 30s germany you know these are times when you do have to pick a side and you know i don't care that we're getting it in the neck particularly because i'm big enough and old enough to be able to ignore that but it's not pleasant being having your characters impugned and assassinated on a regular basis and being shamed which we are on the other hand i have sympathy in some respects for roman because you know anybody with half a brain knows that to have openly gone up against Putin, he would have had a, been drinking a cup of polonium tea pretty quickly, I suspect. So these issues are not necessarily black and white. There's a lot of grey in here and a lot of nuance. Um, but in brief, chaps, where what what do you think? Where you know what's what is going on? What, what's going to happen? I suppose none of us really know, but it'd be interesting to hear what you think. J.K. Uh, well, uh, as I said before, I think the. Uh... Um, the statement that he made was really rather clever um, because it's <laughs> you can't really pin it down. Um, uh, and I think he was he was um, he was stalling. I think they they haven't quite worked out what to do with the club. Uh, I think he's trying to distance himself in some way. I think the use of the word stewardship is a bit peculiar in the uh, in the whole article. Um, I'm not sure people know exactly what that means, but what's happening now, of course, is that some members of the uh, um, uh, of the charity have got conflicting interests. This is what we're hearing. So um, uh, I think the the what he's trying to do is stop the the club being sequestered, isn't he? He's trying to stop the club from being taken over. And I don't mean Clayton would be the 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 legal eagle in this instance to uh, um, to perhaps uh, raise the eyebrows from uh, from Clayton. Um, but uh, um, as to whether or not this is my view is whether you think this is correct is in fact just something to 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 before they then cement exactly what they're going to be doing with the club. It's like he's just he's playing for time. I was under the impression that that's what this was. So he's making a statement to try to say, please, you know, I'm I'm ring fencing this. I'm trying to prevent you from taking the club away. But does this mean that ultimately they still would have the ability to? Uh, to to uh, to use it as an example of his of Russian money, um, and uh, and and take it as assets. Would they be able to do that? I th I think it's really difficult. I mean, just leaving aside the whole human side of this. I mean, the the whole corporate thing is that that Chelsea is owned by a company, and that company is an English registered company, and uh, he owns all the shares, and so he's that that's how he's got his control. He as an individual doesn't 
own the club. It's all done through corporate structure. So I, I, I'm not a corporate lawyer, but I don't know how a government would seize a company's assets when it's an English company, even though it's a Russian shareholder. I'm not sure that in some respects, I'm not sure there's an appetite for the government to do that because although all our rivals would love that to happen, what they would potentially be doing, well, not potentially, that they, they would basically bankrupt Chelsea. They, they, you know, Chelsea would, you know, cease to exist as, as we know it. As a going concern. Yeah, and so I'm not 100% sure that's something the government wants to do. I think they've got lots of other avenues and, and sort of, you know, that... Would, would they not be served by writ? Somebody, I mean, I serve with a writ. I mean, I, I was reading that, in fact, the actions they've taken, there are many writs have appeared at, um, at 10 Downing Street from prominent Russians saying you can't you must desist you can't do this this is what well I, as i say i'm not a corporate lawyer so I, I can't really comment on that but what i do know is it's not simple and it's something that will I, I, it's not going to happen anytime soon just just but I, I don't perceive that to to be the case whether roman is basically thinking i'll just park this until we see what happens and then i'll make a decision afterwards again i don't know I mean, we we don't know the man, and it's it's very difficult to to sort of know anything outright. But what I would say, and this is not a defence of him, because you know, I've seen tweets from certain people saying he should sit, you know, he should say what he really feels, and and as you said, Chidge, if he not says what. If, if he says what he really feels, if, if he's anti-Putin, he's just basically putting a bounty on his head and his family and all the rest of it. And which one of us would have the, the nuts and the cojones to do it? You just wouldn't. Now, he, he, may, he may be an ally of, ally of Putin. We don't know. We've got absolutely no idea. But the fact is that, you know, all I know is that if he came over here with ulterior motives in terms of, doing, you know, just parking his money somewhere for a couple of years. It's 20 years down the line. Yeah. It's basically, um, I I went to um, the Imperial War Museum last week uh, where the Chelsea Foundation were having um, an evening for the opening of the Holocaust Museum within the Imperial War Museum, um, which has had huge funding from Mr. A. Um, when I was there, I bumped into somebody who was um, chairwoman of Refuge, the domestic abuse charity, who basically was waxing lyrical about the fact that Chelsea had approached them um, to see what they could do to help, what Chelsea Foundation had done. So what I'm saying in a roundabout way is whilst I don't know the first thing about where Mr. Abramovich's motives lie, all I do know is the club are doing some amazing work in the community, supporting various different things, which they don't have to. There's no, there's no obligation on them to do so. I don't think any other London clubs are doing that, are they? 
in the same I, I've got no idea. I'm sure so, that they are doing it in, in some community ways. things in certain ways. But, yeah. but the Chelsea Foundation is is huge, and the stuff that they're doing is is really worthwhile. So we're in difficult times, and everybody's sort of quite rightly slating what's happening. But I think it's too easy just to say. Roman's a bad person because he's Russian and because he has had an association with Putin. Nobody knows. None of us know. But yeah, it is a very, very uncomfortable time for the club. And, uh, you know, parking that with absolutely no comparison or context of what's happening to the poor people of the Ukraine and the poor people of Russia, because Russia don't want it. Well, I mean, I've got some skin in this game because my brother-in-law is Russian. His son is Russian and still lives in Moscow. Um, so, you know, it's a very... I mean, my brother-in-law's in pieces. He's got a lot of friends in the Ukraine, you know, as they often do. I mean, um, I think Eugene Tannenbaum is, is from Ukraine originally. You know, so it's all... It's a bit like if, uh, you know, if we decided to invade Wales tomorrow. You know, it's that kind of a thing. Everybody knows everybody. It's not like, you know, completely disparate countries. There's a lot of history between them. And it's absolutely, I mean, the human tragedy of this is just immeasurable. I mean, you know, we, we've grown, you, all four of us are old enough to have grown up with this kind of thing for many, many, many years and had very much hoped that we'd seen the back of this kind of stuff. I mean, I remember vividly and made documentaries actually about the, uh, the war in Yugoslavia, which is the most recent one on mainland Europe. And the stuff that was going on out there was just beyond hideous. And, you know, it's happening again. And there is a massive human tragedy. But as as you said, Clayton, no, none of us know anything about the extent to which uh, you know Mr. A might be involved with Putin. But he's, you know, I can tell you this: it wasn't his decision to go and invade Ukraine, and he's not, you know, pulling the levers there. That's for sure. And I think you're right. I think you know, even if yeah, maybe buying Chelsea was a clever idea because it gave him enough profile to protect himself against any exigencies of Mr. Putin, who's well known for bumping off people he doesn't like. Um, the fact that he's been here for this long and has, you know, I think number one, yeah, all the foundation work he's done, all the good causes that he supports, all the money he's put into the local community says a huge a lot, a huge amount about the man. But I, I also think as, a, as just on a as kind of a selfish point of view, as a football owner, um, you know, I know I know that it's it's very hard for me. I can't speak for you guys. It's very hard to be objective about this because of the joy that you know his money this apparently allegedly dirty money has brought me personally over the last 20 years with all the trophies has helped us win but i mean you know on a on a on a completely even queue you look at him as a as a football club owner you couldn't have wished for a better football club owner puts his hand in his pocket when we need decent players i mean the only blot against him you could put on in a football sense is that he gets rid of managers too early and guess what he's usually proven right but i mean as a football owner you can't fault him would you rather have abramovich or, or levy at the helm or or Arsenal's cronkier. They don't put their money in their pocket and back back the club and the supporters like he does. And we know personally how much he also supports it behind the scenes. The lot of the supporters, the flags and things like that. You know, as a, as a football owner, he's superb. We can't speak about the politics because we don't know enough about it. But Chidge Shevchenko. Well, he's a mate of his. No, no, I'm only kidding. I'm, it's like Trump saying, those emails, those emails. Yeah, but I mean, wasn't Shevchenko supposed to be getting involved with politics over in Ukraine, I thought? I mean, I know he's retired as their 
their national coach. But he and Raymond, that's why he came over here, because Raymond and he were a mate. Mark, I've been talking too long. Your turn. No, no, not at all. I think you know, uh, a lot of good points that have just been made here. And I think the fundamental is no one really knows. And I, I said yesterday in the pub, Abramovich is a bit like the Queen. Um, and that's why it was so significant about he actually coming out and making a statement, because he doesn't. He doesn't make statements. He doesn't talk. So no one really knows, you know, about Roman Abramovich and where he sits, you know. And I like the bit about right side of history because I immediately just sort of Tom Robinson band, you know, better decide which side you're on. The ship goes down before too long, you know. Yeah. No point sitting on the fence. So, yes, I think I don't think there's anyone out there to say what's happening in Ukraine at the moment is an absolute human tragedy. But the Russian people have not invaded Ukraine. No. Nope. Roman Abramovich have not invaded Ukraine. Chelsea Football Club have not invaded Ukraine. There's only one person that's done this. And there'll be a huge level of sympathy also for troops in the Russian army, because you're absolutely right. You know, because of their history you know, of the Soviet Union, you're going to potentially have a situation of a soldier in the Russian army potentially going up in conflict against a family member in Ukraine. Yeah. You know, this, this, this is purely 100% on Putin. And, you know, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I'd have a, a view, you know, and I'd, we, we messaged each other you know, over the weekend that he may very well have been close to Putin. But then again, every oligarch back then was close to Putin. You know, and Clayton's absolutely right. You know, look what history has shown over the last 20 years. You know, where's the likes of Berezovsky now? You know, so you, you're either in exile, you're either poisoned, you know, or you're in prison or in Siberia. This man... You know, is ruthless. He is a fascist. He is a dictator. And although I think Roman's daughter came out and made a statement, you know, it's, it's a high-stakes game, this. And I think the thing that makes me cross most of all is everyone just immediately leaps in, you know, straight away. The press statement Saturday night, yeah, may, maybe it could have been better. It could have been better. And what he said Sunday, mesh those two together, and that's a really good statement. But unless you've really gone to town and done your investigative journalism, do, does anybody really know what no. kind of relationship he has? No, they don't. And what I was saying yesterday is this is a bit like Pandora's box to me. And be careful if you're in the media, journalists, whatever, where you go, where you want to take this, like Jamie Carragher coming out, making a statement, you know, <laughs> your track record, mate, isn't very good. If I was you, I'd shut the, you know, what up at the end of the day is, he was spitting yesterday about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, I think he would be. Yes, indeed. Yeah, but yeah, where do you go from here then? So you start with Chelsea Football Club because they've got a Russian owner. All right, are we going after Bournemouth now? Okay, are we going to ask Monaco to be kicked out of French football? They've got Russian owners. Let's take it a bit further. Arsenal got Usmanov. Uh, is, is he involved with Everton now, JK? He's Everton, so, you're right. So, yeah. Everton, yeah. so let's kick Everton out of the Premier League. Okay, let's take it a bit further. Well, then. I mean, that, yeah. Mark, that's a you see that. I mean, I don't want to get into what aboutism because I abhor what aboutism. Mm. But no. I mean, if if you know the the fact of the matter is, yeah. you know, if there was anything untoward going on, then uh, the Premier League are the ones that need to be looked at for allowing all this to happen. You know, if if he wasn't a fitting, if he was, if he was fit and proper in 2003 then surely he's fit and proper in 2022 unless anything can be proven and you know how on earth they let mbs be the uh, owner of newcastle when there's all the stuff that's been going on about him for the last year or two and, and then you know man city's lot 
Abu uh, United Emirates, Arab Emirates uh, were the one of the only ones to recuse themselves or abstain in the in the vote of the United Nations. I mean, there, I think you know, there's very few people here who are operating at that kind of level who can genuinely be acute, you know, generally generally be proved as to be innocent of everything here. That's exactly the point I made in the pub yesterday. Is no one is pure, or as a sex pistol said, no one is innocent. No one, no one is innocent. You know, you, you know, um, you could you could take this, you know, to all levels. At the end of the day, you bring it back to what do you actually really know? And it's hard to say how much people know because you know nothing or you know very little. No, I... By all means, investigate it, make the point, prove it. No, you know, actually, make it make a connection. Otherwise, you're just clutching at straws. It's pure guesswork. Well, I've always wanted to to tap into and hear the geopolitical expertise of Micah Richards. Uh, Carragher and Gary Neville and I, I, I just feel so rewarded having had to experience that but there you go um, I mean look you know this is not a story that's going to go away and I mean I, I would usually have written something about all of this by now but I think what I am aware of it's such a fast moving story and things are changing about it every day so probably like Mark's saying really none of us know anything about what's really going on so maybe it's it's better to keep our powder dry I will close by saying we no doubt we'll revisit it because I do think that there is a, there is some sort of an existential threat towards the club as a result of all of this and I do think that that's what Mr A is trying to prevent actually because I do think he genuinely does care about the club um, but as I said true, you know, change, what? Change, sorry yeah very, very true. But I think the other thing, with all this speculation and people sort of jumping on the bandwagon, there is a real danger of the human tragedy. Yeah, that well, that's where I was about, what I was about to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, my favourite quote of the last 10 years was from Carlo Ancelotti when he said that football is the most important of the least important things. And I think, you know, we, we get a bit stoked up about football all the time and it, we have a huge passion for it. We love talking about it and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm afraid, dear old football pales into insignificance when it comes to what's going on uh, in Ukraine and a dictatorial Putin invading them and killing a lot of innocent people. That, I'm afraid, is way more important than any of the football talk that we ever do. And as Mark was saying, our thoughts and prayers need to be with all of the people of Ukraine at the moment, and they most certainly are. Now, um, I was going to just very quickly, Mark, actually, I'll do that at the end. I'll just have a quick plug for CFC UK. I know that there's another uh, copy winging its way to you guys soon because me and Clayton were rushing around trying to get ours written before uh, before the deadline today and Mark I suspect although you're more organised than me so maybe not no 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 we usually race with each other at two minutes to midnight change on deadline day I was very good uh, well not very good very bad I had the article written yesterday and I messaged DJ to say it's done then I went off to the pub or went off to the game fell over bumped me head and maybe the bump on my head, I remembered when I got home, I hadn't sent it. So I sent it off last night when I got, got in from Wembley. Uh, I've written about Gavin Peacock in Have my you? piece because I had the good fortune to spend an evening with Gavin in a pub in Ealing last week. And what a charming man he is. Yeah, what a nice one. Uh, Clayton, what did you write about? Uh, I find it perversely, I'd written about um, having just become champions of the world. Um, I try to then think back about the lowest time of supporting them. Of when, course you did. When, <laughs> How when, low can you go, Clayton? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll save it for the, for the issue. But it, it, was, it was basically just thinking how perverse the fact that we're champions of the world and just thinking back as to when the lowest point was. I mean, it's difficult because there, there, there's lots of competition, but I, I sort of focused on one particular game. 
Yeah, brilliant. So I look forward to that. Uh, I wrote a, a, a huge kind of love letter to Thiago Silva, really, just about how utterly brilliant he's been for us and uh, the fact that we might have got him in 2008. And uh, I've, caught, I've got a new name for him. Oh, 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 Imperado. Imperado, which is Portuguese for the emperor. Because I found a quote from Ronaldo that basically compared him to Franz Beckenbauer, which I thought was very apposite, actually. But uh, there you go. I love Thiago Silva and he's my player of the year already. So there you go. Right, CFC UK, as you know, get it at the stall on a match day. It's only a pound, hurry up. Uh, but of course, you can subscribe, get it a hard copy for 16 quid or 35 quid in Europe, 45 quid in the rest of the world. Uh, and you, you could also get, if you prefer, a digital copy as a PDF, that's uh, six quid a season or a pound each. All you need to do is email fanzine at cfcuk.net and everything that you need to know will be answered therein we will be back for a very quick part three looking ahead to the uh, game against luton on wednesday see you in a sec real fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stanford Chidge with the absolutely deliciously wonderful uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> Fair enough. I can't say... I'm not, there are no words, really, are there? Uh, the absolutely lovely Clayton Beerman. Hello. And the uh, incredibly clever and engaging Mr. Mark Meehan. Hello, everybody. I think was JK having a celery and Guinness moment combined? I think there? he might have been, actually. It looked a bit yeah. like it, didn't it? Yeah, it did. <laughs> there you go. Right, we've got another match. They come thick and fast when you're a follower of Chelsea. Uh, we've got Luton away in the FA Cup uh, fifth round. Uh, I have a little team selection here, JK. Um, I do I do think a lot of it will depend, obviously, who's fit. We know Christensen and Aspie are likely to be out. Ziyech should be back. Uh, but also, how much will 120 minutes uh, yesterday have taken out of them? Not least the emotional reaction to it as well. But I have gone for Kepa. Uh, I have gone for Rudiger, Silva and Aspilicueta. Uh Although, because I think Chaloba might be struggling with it if he's had stitches in his groin. Uh, I think James will come back if Aspie's playing in the centre as a centre-back. Uh, I think Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek in the midfield because I think Kante and Kovacic are knackered. Um, Alonso will also be knackered, although he played very well. So I've put Hudson and Doy at the left wing-back. Up front, um, Ziyech comes back in. And I thought, given... I know Havertz and Mount and Pulisic all did really, really well, per se. Uh, there was a spark of something with Lukaku... And I just thought maybe we, we might play Werner as well, give him a run out as it's the FA Cup. So it's a bit of a weird selection, I think. But is this the kind of team that um, Aaron said might uh, uh, be a banana skin? Might, you know, they might. Uh, I, I said up. it. I said it. You said it as well. Yeah. Um, it's looking a bit sparse, this team, to me. I'm not sure if this... I mean, defensively, they'll be great, you know, Rudiger Silva, but no, not with Aspi. They'll play... Uh, who will he play? He won't play Chalabar. Might really play, play Saar. Yeah, well, in which case you'll have to play Saar on the left, won't you? But um, I think you'll... No, it's more the right... It's the right um, of the three in defence. I don't know who he'd play on the right there. Who have we got there he'd play? If he I don't got... think Aspie's going to play, actually. I don't know why I put no, him No, no, he won't. I don't know why I, you put him I know. There. I've, no, had, he... I've had a brain fart there, haven't no, I? Yeah. No, but he won't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Rudiger Silva, who plays right central 
central midfield, does he put Rudiger on the right and play Saar well, on the J left? James could play there. He could play there. He could, in which case he'd be, um, you'd possibly have uh, Zayek playing down that wing. Mm, yeah. Instead. And, then, and then you'd have room for um, for bringing Mount back in. I think you'll give Mount another go. I don't think he'll play Werner. I don't think he'll play Lukaku. I think he'll play Havertz again. I think he'll try and play as strong a team as he possibly can against this lot. Mm, interesting. What do you reckon, Clayton? Yeah, I mean, what, what's the what's the news on Ziyech? He, he should be okay. Mine or not. He wasn't fit, I take it. No. He wasn't. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I find it really, really frustrating that every time that man gets into really fabulous form, he gets injured. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at your side. Obviously, Asby's not going to play. Um, so they might they may play a back four. Um with Saar and James, I don't know. I think you're right, Hudson Odoi needs to run out. I mean, they they need to have something about them because I think oh, I'm not looking forward to it. I think it's going to be it's a horrible little ground, and I think it's going to be a really really tough game. Depends also how I mean, one of the things that we didn't actually mention, and what's possibly the most remarkable thing about how we played yesterday was the whole Abramovich thing. Because that must have affected the squad and the players and, and what have you. So, anyway, um, I think Harvey Vale might play. Um, and I just wonder whether the one of the kids that played in the League Cup, uh, whose name completely escapes me, the centre-half might play. Well. Bell? No. Um, no, he's a striker, isn't he? No, I know he is. Yeah, I just wonder whether you thought he might play. Um, might be on the bench. Lewis be. Hall. Lewis Hall, that's right. Lewis Hall might play because he was excellent, wasn't he? Well, he, he played. I went to the youth game and he wasn't very good in the week. And uh, um, but um, Vale was terrific and scored a fantastic goal. Yeah, I saw. I saw. I saw the goal. I, I mean, I, yeah. And Webster, Charlie Webster's one for the slightly looks like Cavallio. Um, terrific midfield player, one for the one for for the future. Yeah, they, I mean, they play well. They pass the ball very well. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I didn't see the game because I was at the that V&A Imperial War Museum thing. But um, I watched I've watched the previous two rounds, and they have got some good players. So yeah, and I'm interested. I will Kepa start maybe. I don't know. Depends what he's like. Well, after... It might, might be yeah, true. But it might be a good idea to put him in. Get his yeah, confidence back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you reckon, Mark? I think we'll start with Kepa. And the strange thing at football is if it ends up as a shoot he saves the winning penalty. The irony of that would be. Yeah. Mm, be typical, um, my team, be typical. And football does those strange things. Uh, my team, uh, probably James Silver, Rudiger, Hudson Odoi, Jorginho, Loftus Cheek, Ziyech if he's fit, Werner, Lukaku, and Mount. I've gone for. Mm, so not too dissimilar to mine. No, very, very certainly yours. But I, and I think Clayton's right, you know, and JK's right. A youngster being thrown in, I wouldn't be surprised if Lewis Hall or Harvey Vell got a run out, yeah, in, mm. in some shape or form. One of those players I've put down, you know, might not start and he's bringing a youngster in. But it's it's tricky with all the so many defenders out. Do we play three at the back? Or as Clayton said, do we play four at the back? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, Luton are not a bad side. I mean, they're six in the championship at the moment and they've got their old manager, Nathan Jones, back. And, I mean, he's taken them from the bottom, you know, the Division 4 and old money, or certainly Divi what League 1, isn't it, right up to the championship. 
as he's clearly a good coach, uh, they're in the playoff contention. They, you know, they could, with a bit of luck, end up in the Premier League next season. So they're clearly no mugs. Here we go. I've got a lovely quote. Can't remember where I got this from, but because I've nicked it from somewhere again and not credited them. Anyway, it says to take them from League One into the Championship, then make them an established second tier outfit, and now potentially lead them towards a promotion is huge. Their rise has kept going, and it could ultimately lead to a Premier League spot. So they're no mugs. Their top scorer is Elijah Adebayo. He's got 12 this season. And then Harry Cornick, not Harry Cornick Jr., but Harry Cornick with eight. Uh, Robert Snodgrass has just signed from West Brom. And he's he was no mug back in the day. We might be a bit old now. They beat Harrogate 4-0 away in round three and Cambridge United 3-0 away in round four. So they've had a pretty easy passage to this, to this uh, stage. But they're not to be underestimated, are they, JK? You've got to be on it against teams like this because then they're not Liverpool but they're not mugs. Also, if they get a bit of momentum going within the game and the, the crowd are absolutely baying for uh, for the champions of Europe to be defeated. Um, but I think we're experienced enough and uh, um, and good enough uh, to, to win easily, actually. Mm. Are you going to put a number on it, JK? Uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll draw 1-1 and win on penalties. No, no, no. <laughs> No, 11 10 on penalties yes no no I, I think i don't i don't agree with with um, with i think he'll really go for it again if he can i don't think he'll play a slightly weaker side it's a question of whether he brings lukaku on i think he's very taken now with playing the um the speed with which we've been playing the last two games and i think he'll attempt he won't pick Werner and he won't pick lukaku and i think he'll try and play Havertz with pulisic again um and uh um, and I think they'll win 3-0. OK, I hope so. Clayton? Um, 2-1. Squeaky bum? Well, I think we'll try our hardest. <laughs> Mark? Uh, I'll... Uh, I'll go for 2-0. Um, I, I think we're good enough to beat Luton. They are on a good run, to their credit. Um, they were non-league not that long ago. Yeah. And uh, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. yeah. Didn't he play a serial killer as well? He did. In, in a film with Sigourney Weaver. He did. Yeah. yeah. Very good, that film. Yeah, very was, good film. Was it called Copycat? Yeah. yeah that, that's that's it. it. That's the film. that. Yeah, it's Copycat. Yeah, it's good shout, Clayton. Yeah. Yeah. A better actor I'll than he was at the other part. Happy breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> What do you have for breakfast, Clayton? I know. Fish. So? <laughs> I just got that late. <laughs> um, keeping the image that Clayton had. Um, uh, no, actually, I better not. Well, serial killers. <laughs> no, no. It was something to do with the, with the loo. I just thought I'd suddenly I had a whole image of no anyway let's move swiftly on so you're gonna you're gonna stick a number on it mark i said two nil did you i did you did didn't you i'm going mad as well um yeah yeah, i don't know it's 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 because i don't have a clue who he's going to start i i I could see him doing what jk suggests i hope he does in a way but i can also see him doing something like we all suggested as well but uh i think it'll be tough i don't think this is going to be an easy match it's a very hostile place it's a horrible little ground they're going to be bang up for it. They don't like us. We've got history between Luton. Let's not forget that goes back a long way. And it's really interesting, actually, because on, on Flash School, they always have the last five matches for the head-to-head. 
Now, I know we beat them 3-1 fairly comfortably in the FA Cup a couple of years ago. Or well, in fact, actually, it was last year under Frank, wasn't it? One of his last... Well, it was. In fact, it was his last match, wasn't it? Because... Uh, oh, no, that was Leicester, wasn't it? I think they played Leicester, didn't they, a few days later. But uh, this was the match he made Mason Mount captain for, wasn't it? As I recall. Yeah. Luton was the game. Yeah. Yeah. Leicester was, the last, Leicester was the last away game. That's right. So, uh, yeah, and we beat them 3-1, but I don't, it wasn't easy. I mean, we had to work for that 3-1, I remember, and I think it'll be similar again. But as I said, it, we, the last time we played them before that, three games in 1991 and one in 1990, we lost two of those, both away, 2-0, both times. Uh, we beat them 4-1 at home and we drew 3 all at, at home. Mark will no doubt remember that one. You can't ban a Chelsea fan as well. We were banned from yep. Luton Town. That's yeah, right. With da- David Evans MP was the chairman at the time. That's Actually, right. Lu- Luton was the first away game. Well, you call going the Luton was out of London. Uh, it was the first away game I went to, uh, December 1976, when they had the Pink Panthers as stewards. And they erected a £10,000 fencing to keep all those naughty Chelsea fans caged in. And they smashed the fencing down that night because we got beat 4-0. <laughs> Brilliant. So there you go. I don't think it's going to be easy. I'm going to go 2-1 myself, and uh, I'm with Clayton on that. But hey, who knows? It could be completely different. We might smash the, you know, smash them to pieces. Who knows? Who can say? Now, before we love you and leave you, I'm going to allow Mark to plug the hell out of the big, uh, the Stamford, the big Stamford Bridge sleep out, Mark. Thank you, and I, I start with a thank you. Uh, thank you to all the people so far who's either set themselves up with a Just Giving page or donated to someone with a Just Giving page. I think already we're into week three and we're not shy of £3,000 raised already. So re- really good start. We want to raise £30,000. So I can't do a Bob Geldof impersonation. But Give, me Bob... Give me your money! Give me your money! Think of what Bob might say. Uh, Give me charity... your fucking money! <laughs> charity begins at home. Uh, yeah, This is home. They are our neighbours um, in Oswald Stoll. They do amazing things for former homeless veterans in terms of providing them with a home, providing them with the support. And they're actually really good people as well. Some of us have been lucky enough to go down there, meet the old veterans, have a cup of tea with them, you know, hear about their, their life experiences and stories. And there are some remarkable people that actually live there. Uh, we've seen in the last few days the owner of this club you know, bestow upon our charitable foundation you know, the custody and future direction of this club. So... Charity begins at home, you know, listeners, either get involved in the sleep out, get donating. We'll try and have a few surprises on the night. I'm sure Chidge will have his bottle of scotch and his fire pit and JK will do a few fan bites. We might even have one or two former Chelsea players come along with the night. Um, I mentioned Gavin Pickett earlier. Gavin was asking about the sleep out. He'll send a good luck video because he'll be back in Canada by then. And I think we'll get support from a few other ex-players as well. It's all for a good cause. Um, we we give up our beds for one night, you know, to try and make a difference in supporting a wonderful organisation next door to Stamford Bridge. Indeed, a very very worthwhile cause. I shall be sleeping in my garage, which has no heating, just in case you ask. But I shall be heated up by Ockentosh and a campfire, so I shall be all right. Um, and again, sorry, Chidge, um, a friend of mine who was actually fundraising already, who was in the pub with me yesterday, he actually said that the youth game last week was a dress rehearsal. Because it was so cold in the East End, yes. apparently. <laughs> so, JK, yeah. you could do the sleep out. You wouldn't need to send sock with the long. <laughs> you could sleep up in Aussies, mate. You'll be all right. They won't know. Well, I was as stiff as a post after going. I couldn't get out of my seat. I was wedged into it in the shape of a seat. 
having spent watching the game from there. But it was a great goal yeah. by Vettel. It was worth it. You know what? You're right, though. I mean, I remember I was working, actually. I had to go and cover a Fulham versus Bolton Carling Cup tie, actually. that was uh, Sanchez was their Fulham manager at the time. And I had, you know, I had press access. So I was sitting right behind the dugout, which was great. I tell you what, it was the it, apart from Burnley in that infamous Burnley trip, that was the coldest I've ever been at a football ground because, of course, in the old River Riverside uh, stand, the you know you just get so cold when you're near water. And I, I basically longed it off. I, I took my cameraman with me and said, "That's it, mate. I'm done. We're going to go into the press box, which is actually under the Johnny Haynes stand, uh, a lovely old kind of uh, building that is." And I just sat there and completely ignored the match and was trying to see the Chelsea result on the Sky News kind of tele-report. But there you go. We digress, as we so often do. Uh, but I'm afraid to say, I mean, the shift that JK and I put in tonight is sterling, I have to say. But that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, JK and I will be back with you on Friday night, Friday night, to look back at Wednesday night in the uh, the cup tie against Luton, of course, and also to preview uh, Saturday's match in the Premier League against Burnley, where Burnley talking of Burnley as we were a minute ago. Uh, we'll be joined by Tony Glover and Liam Toomey from The Athletic. So there we go, one to uh, one to come along to. Now, the Chelsea Fancast and Dean's Went to Mo King's Meadow are available uh, as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and other lesser-known podcast distributors. Um, if you would like to help us along on this show, uh, you can join the Patreon group that we have uh, which means you have to bung us a bit of money every month um, and in return you get a, uh, a Kerry Dixon mini banner but you also get to be on our discord group which is great fun actually a lot of really good people in there uh, so and it's a bit like a bit like the Mixler chat room but seven uh, days a week and uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Chelsea fancast and of course no emails tonight apologies for that uh, but we had a short time a shorter time than usual uh, but do send them in to chelseafancast at gmail.com or send them in via all the social media outlets that we have, which you can find on Chelsea Fancast at Chelsea Fancast. Of course, I'm at Stanford Chidge. Jonathan is at Jonathan Kidd. Clayton is at Goalie59. And Mark is Eddie Mac, B-A-W-A. We're there. Uh, Clayton, lovely to see you, mate. It's good to have you back, actually. I mean, I know we saw you early on uh, in the, in this schedule after your uh, prolonged injury, but it's good to have you back, mate. It's not, it wasn't the same without you for ages, I have to say. You're very kind. Thank you very much. A very enjoyable evening in uh, such lovely company. Yeah, good to see you, my friend. Uh, Mark, always a pleasure to see you too. <laughs> always a pleasure. And actually, just I, can I just say, it was absolutely brilliant to be on with Clayton tonight. I'm not sure, have we have we two-handed on this before? I know we've been on a bigger group thing, but it, I was like, it's just great to be on with Clayton tonight. Some of the things, I'm just nodding away, agreeing with what he was saying. A real pleasure, Clayton. Checks in the post, mate. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I say that it's just as well that you were nodding away because if you were doing that all the time, we go, "Oh God, bloody, I hate that." Wouldn't be that well, wouldn't work. I was going to say just as well, just as well that, that he was nodding away while we were nodding off, you know, because yeah. Yeah. Hey. Exactly. hey, that's a lovely moment. I was thinking I don't have to say anything. Clayton's on fire. Great, good stuff. It is wonderful, <laughs> isn't it? it is, it's wonderful when you get you know really good people who can talk, and we can we, you and I can have a rest, you know, because we we've had a long shift tonight, J.K. You know. But we had a, we had a, an hour of of octane fuel um, activity with Aaron. <laughs> Mate, I'm ser- I was serious. Were you on the Haribo before that show? You were like a five year old kid on a sugar rush. Yeah, but look what happened subsequently on this. <laughs> the crash. Yeah. Here is the crash, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've been sterling tonight, J.K. Well done for doing two shifts. I love you for it. Um, good to see you as always. Enjoy Wednesday because I know you're going up to Kenny Road. 
Tuesday. Um, it's tomorrow night. Is isn't it? it tomorrow night? Yeah. No, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was tomorrow night for some Wednesday. weird reason. Wednesday. Darling, Wednesday. I'm at the theatre tomorrow night. I'm at the Riverside. And who's on at the Riverside, JK? Um, it's a, a, a play called um, uh, I think Bloody Women, for which I've done. I've played a judge in a scene. I've recorded a scene, and they gave me two free tickets as payment for the opening night. Pay, payment and, in uh, lieu. Payment in lieu. And uh, it's my mate Graham Seed is in it. Graham Seed was the chap from uh, The Archers who fell off the church roof. And uh, um, it, it, the, the, the length of his, stream, of his scream was, um, was made him actually falling off the... <laughs> the, the, the length, length of his stream is probably more impressive stream. to me. Yes, yes, it was better, yeah. Length of his pissing over the roof. <laughs> um, the length of his scream was longer than the... Uh, if, if you'd measured it properly, it would have been as if he'd fallen out of a 25-storey... Um, skyscraper, but because uh, it's just a few feet on the church roof. If, if you're going it. along, you know, if you're going along to the riverside tomorrow, just outside the riverside, there's a bench and the statue. Follow, yeah, and if you follow Andy Scott on Twitter, um, yeah, Andy's. I think is it is it a relative of his who was a wrestler? Yeah, yeah wrestler. Jumped, yeah, yeah, jumped jumped into the jumped Thames. In. Yeah. yeah. So they they opened up the bench. Um, last year and he's got a commemorative plaque there and it's i think it's within spitting distance of the riverside yeah. i'll there take a go. picture spitting, of it well jeremy, jeremy carrig will probably be down there as well then if it's in spitting <laughs> distance indeed it would all right it's good to see you all good to have you all listening out there uh, is that nigel pargeter yes i've met him at lords one year yeah i introduced you to him that's right that's right my dad was so impressed he met he met nigel pargeter oh, he was talking sweet. about it for weeks afterwards sweet sweet and sweet. trying to make mum jealous bless his heart anyway great fun tonight really enjoyed it double shifts it's great fun i love it okay we will see you very soon thanks for listening see you next friday until then keep it blue keep it carefree keep it chelsea that's more like it It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.